0: VS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers. This is episode number sixty-two. Ansis Ateka is a developer on the Open vSwitch team at VMware. This episode is a recording of a talk that Ansis gave at VMware in May. He covers techniques for debugging on Linux, in particular how to trace through processes using strace, tracecmd, and other tools. On to the top.
1: All right, so this talk will be about generic Linux debugging. Um, So basically, whenever it comes to the issues, troubleshooting them in customer environment or QE setup, then I think about that in two ways. Like there's network debugging, where you basically try to play around with the REST API, controller REST API or OVSDB, and just try to change something to see if the issue goes away. So that's very really u- useful at isolating issue, but it doesn't root cause the issue at the product level necessarily unless there's already existing bugs in a ticket then you can relay them and then you can root cause the duplicate bug and the other type of debugging that uh I think about is execution debugging which is about using the tracers like trace strace, trace g d. b and uh I think this is a little bit more developer oriented because uh you try to understand what the process is actually doing behind the scenes. And that's what actually this talk will be about, the execution debugging, and not so much about network debugging. All right, so uh, before actually trying to do execution debugging, I think uh, there are some things that one should learn about the Linux programming interface. So this is one of the best books I have ever found. It basically goes over all the system calls, it gives you a simple examples how to install, uh, how to implement non-blocking server and signal handlers and stuff like that. So it's it's very good. I would definitely recommend everyone to read, to read it. So and this is the second book I read. It's it, this book is quite old. Uh, what I found interesting there is that uh, it explained how functions call functions and how to interpret stuff at the assembler level. Uh, it probably has a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit outdated by now, they're probably Linux centric book, but still this I, I found this one interesting. And of course the third read is the mount pages and the Linux. Uh, I think these are the ones that you must read before you actually try to learn the tools that we are about to talk soon. Okay, uh, before we go into some specific debuggers, let's try to think how the ideal deb- uh, tracer would perform so basically it should be able to trace user space functions like whatever the obvious VCG processes are executing at the user space level then log the arguments that would be really great return the values uh, for example if it calls a function then we can also figure out what value this function return and then when you call into the kernel it would transparently start to trace the kernel and then it could automatically attach to the child processes for example uh, if you call ETC in ED networking, ETC in ED open V switch restart, it calls obvious CTL and some other processes and attach to them automatically as well. Uh, trace memory references. So, for example, if someone said something, then you can wait for someone to read it there and then tra- uh, you, do, you do that as a trace point as well to see who is actually reading the memory that you just said there can trace calls so it would be not only tracing functions but also figuring out who is calling who and uh, can automatically attach you, for example to the reader of the socket so it's kind of hard for example if you want to do invoke systemctl start and vSwitch, it actually communicates over unix domain to uh, unix domain socket to the systemd and then it actually starts the daemon but you need to know that you need to have to attach to the systemd as well which is actually consuming the data that systemctl utility provided, the same thing with OVSDB socket, for example. And in the real life, uh, some of the tools cover these points. For example, S-Trace can trace user space. Unfortunately, it can't trace call list. And there's TraceCMD, which traces the kernel. And it can actually capture the call list, like produce a function graph, which I find uh, very helpful when it comes to troubleshooting issues. So the idea is that these features are kind of fragmented over various tools, and you need to just learn all of those tools to be efficient. Okay, uh, and wh- what are the practical tracers? We're tracers? The ones I'm using is uh, S-Trace and TraceCMD. Why they're practical? Because you can easily get them on any Linux distro, and you don't need to write some kind of a BPF program with K-probes that actually tries to interpret it's, it's a magnitude harder than just using trace CMD or uh, S-trace that already does everything behind the scenes for you. Uh, there's also GDB in asynchronous mode, but again it's it's a little bit harder to set it up compared to S-trace and trace CMD. So for actually for most of the issues, I'm just using S-trace and trace CMD successfully. Alright, so S-trace. So basically what S-trace does is uh, it simply intercepts the API calls between user space and kernel. Basically, whenever user space process does a system call, strace captures the arguments and uh, uh, captures the return code once it returns from the kernel. Uh, It sounds quite simple, but it's actually very helpful. Uh, Sometimes you still need to look a little bit into the source code to figure out how it got into that. Like if there's an issue, how it got into that particular situation. And uh, I'll go over these uh, seven points of exactly I'm using it. All right, so can get error codes from the kernel. So if you s-trace anything, you will see that it returns something like uh, e again. For example, if you have a socket and it's non blocking and there's no data to read, then it will return e again. It means simply read it again. So one shouldn't freak out about these errors if he sees them in the s-trace output. Uh, rest of the times, application should be able to recover from uh, error conditions. Uh, for example, if you try to start the binary, you will see that it actually probes for shared libraries that it uses at various locations. And it will simply do end, which means the file was not present at this location. Go to the next location. It just probes all of them. So that's basically like a file back mechanism until it finds something. And uh, the other mechanism is the simply trying within a, some back-off period. For example, if you had a socket, the client side, it tried to connect you got econ refused or something like that, the user space process should just simply try again later and just keep it in a loop like, until it eventually connects successfully. And uh, if something like that happens, like you get an error code, hopefully a user space process should log why exactly it got into that uh, situation. For example, here I gave a simple ping google.com command and it just returns unknown host, google.com. That could be wrong? Uh, let's find out what strace is telling. So I, I I made this uh, artificial scenario where I just changed the read bits for the etc conf And uh, as we can see, uh, we, we see the error message being logged and a few lines. Well, in this case, a little bit more than a few lines above. You can see that it tried to read up etc conf file and it got EXS permission denied. Um, so this is very helpful to figure out which system call returned error code, and then you can speculate more why, for example, it couldn't resolve google.com. The ping on its own doesn't tell you why exactly it couldn't. It didn't, didn't tell you that it couldn't read DTC resolve file. That's because it happens in the libc behind the scenes. And it doesn't have opportunity to do that. Okay, the second use case is to look at the strace arguments. Uh, I find it very helpful to actually look into the write, read, send, and send to calls and see if the process, for example, actually received the packet. Uh, there are some newer flags that were recently introduced in strace, like dash y and dash uh, double y. They're very helpful that you don't need to run lsof anymore to figure out which integer file descriptor matches to some socket or something else. It automatically expands it for you. And you can also dump in data in the hex, and then you can parse it. All right, so uh, as a hypothetical example, uh, how to make sure that DH client received actually a packet? You may see it in the TCP dump, but maybe something else on its way is dropping it. Maybe it's OVS or something else. So, what do I do in these cases? I again attach the S-trace to the DH client process and I just see if it actually received the packet. And as we can see here, uh, it did receive it. So, that, that kind of allows you to pinpoint the issue further, what actually happened. So, it, in this case, we have a definite proof that. Uh, it wasn't the networking stack dropping the packet somewhere, but it actually made it to the DH client. As we can see, the receive from call returned and uh, it read this uh, hex string. And uh, the dash Y flag is quite helpful, for example, to expand the name of the socket. As we can see, it's 6 UDP 00068. So with dash Y flag, you don't need to go any more to off, which I find it very help- I find very helpful. Alright, uh, the next use case for uh, SJs, for example, is to look at the latencies, the time spent in the kernel or between the system calls. So for example, if one writes a user space process and it's using blocking sockets and the developer didn't think about it at that time, you could experience some kind of uh, uh, responsive, uh, the, the, you can experience responsiveness, ish- responsivity issues with uh, with this uh, daemon. So, One easy way to, for example, is to figure out this again, run with the sjs-t and you can see in which calls, for example, it spent most of the time and probably didn't do anything else this process. So in this case, as we can see with dash t flag, it suddenly starts to tell you how much time it spent. And we can see here that accept call was just spending in kernel 4.8 seconds. It could also help you to isolate issues, uh, isolate performance issues in the kernel, for example, if you send some, uh, if you send some OVS uh, command to the data path through Netlink, you can see that maybe it takes more time, and with this trace you can tell how much time exactly it's spent there. And uh, another thing that I find really helpful is uh, how to troubleshoot issues when a shell script uses uh, invokes another shell script and so on. Or maybe it invokes obvious vcg and then obvious vcg invokes some shell script. So the dash F flag basically allows you to child all the child processes of the process you are tracing. So I found this one very helpful, for example, to debug the initD scripts. Uh, There are cases where um, something is printed and you don't really know whether it's the obvious ctl that printed it, whether it's... uh, in a D script or whether it's something else like mod property we're actually calling from uh, in AD, uh, eventually from through a D script as well so here's an example with dtc in AD, open openvisager start and uh, protocol wrong type for socket so what what does it mean this is like very ambiguous error we don't know where it, where it originated from so again you attach with strace dash f and uh, you will see this error getting logged in strace output and few lines above I actually saw that, okay, is the init module system call that return e-prototype? Unfortunately, S-Trace yes, is not able to tell you why exactly this system call returned e-prototype. Uh, eventually, once we'll get to the trace cmd, uh, you, could use those, uh, you could use trace cmd to figure out more why exactly it returned this error. But for now, at least you can, you know, isolated the issue to init, the init module system call, and uh, that, that's already a good start to troubleshoot an issue. The problem with the Dash F flag is that it keeps tracing all the processes if they keep running. So if you start Adobe usage, it actually still keeps running and you need to manually stop it before it can detach. The Control-C unfortunately doesn't work. So that's kind of like a warning to troubleshoot issues in the customer environment because S-Trace can actually sometimes mess up. So always ask for permission in the customer setup before you try to attach to the S-Trace. And uh, don't do it in production unless there's a maintenance window scheduled. all right and another interesting use case that's only present on fedora and it's very new it's still a new feature that doesn't work perfectly but i i think i will start to use it soon uh, it can also tell you how the user space process got to the system call basically it can print you the callies it's not like uh tracing the all the callies but it simply points you the stack trace at the time of entering the system call uh, it has some shortcomings. Uh, of course, it can't print the calls for Python or uh, C programs, but it, it's quite helpful for C. As an example, uh, for example, OBSDB server got into this error. Connection dropped, broken pipe. Uh, with dash K flag, you can get the stack trace. As I previously mentioned, it's very really flawed. You can only get the hex addresses there, uh, but you can figure out who was actually calling what Another use case, which is kind of not designed for that, is to simply slow down the process. Uh, one thing with S-Trace is that it slows down the process you are tracing. And sometimes you actually want that to happen. For example, if you're trying to reproduce race condition, sometimes you can slow down, like NSX agent interacts with OVS, BCG, and if you slow down one of these demons, and sometimes you can run into decisions where queues overflow or something like that. And S-Trace is a helpful tool to actually... Uh, do something like that. And uh, when you don't want the process to be slow that much, you just simply need to try to log to the file instead of standard error. Uh, that will make tracing quicker. And another new feature in S trace is injecting errors. Uh, so, for example, developers test, uh, write code, and test it for the positive case. And they didn't think that, for example, c- connect call could fail. Uh, in this case, S-Trace error injection is very helpful to actually do fuzz testing. Basically, generates random errors and then you can see how your user space process will recover from them. So, for example, in this case, this is a simple case where I try to ping the Google DNS server and uh, I simply set up error injection for send to system call to return eperm error when, for example, you have done it, you have done it three or more times. So as we can see here, I'm pinging, and at the third ping, it suddenly returns operation not permitted. Uh, so this is helpful to test your programs, how they reco- recover from the error conditions. Uh, for example, if you don't recover properly from error conditions, I have seen cases where daemon gets a, in a busy loop and just tries to set up something, and uh, this is an easy way to test for those cases because you can't write a test that actually returns you can't write so many tests that actually probe for every, every possible scenario where each system call returns error that you didn't think about in writing the code. All right, so let's get to the next tool, TraceCMD. Uh, so it traces functions in the kernel space. And the really nice thing about it compared to S-Trace is that it, it traces calls. basically can produce function graph. Uh, Unfortunately, it has some shortcomings that it can't log the arguments and return calls that easily, but uh, you can look into the Linux kernel source code. You can try to figure out why exactly, what it would have returned. As an example, uh, here's a few commands that you can run to trace the packet path. So for example, ping calls into the Linux IP stack. It eventually goes through OVS kernel module source code. And basically, at the end, of, at the end, outputs the packet to the NIC or to another VM. And uh, the first command is good to trace it from the, the process that's running, for example, in a namespace or a container. The second command uh, is uh, basically just attach, attaching to the QEMU process. That's basically the KVM. In that case, if you have full virtualization, then you don't attach to the ping with traceCMD, but you rather attach to the QEMU process you will see the same thing eventually. Calls into the OVS source code and output packet to the NIC. Or if you have incoming packet, then you actually need to attach to the case of KsoftRQD uh, kernel thread. And if you have like controller action and the controller sends a packet through OVS VCG, re-injects it, then you need to touch to the OVS VCG process to get the kernel stack trace, what exactly happens. So basically you need to think about if you are seeing some packet drop, you need to figure out which one of these four cases it is. And just run that command. Alright, so previously I mentioned that uh, Trace CMD is not capable to return error codes. Uh, is that a big problem? As we can see here, on the left I have a trace output. I cut some extra data from it. And as you can see, obvious report receive called OVS flow key extract and OVSDP process packet. So basically it's about thinking about the source code. Uh, The question is, did we get there? There is unlikely error K3SKB. As we can see, since we called OVSDP process packet, uh, no, we didn't call K3SKB. So basically, just by looking at the Kali graph, you can actually figure out what were the error codes for some functions uh, that the code called, and possibly what were the inputs. Uh, so this is also a good reason why no one should write spaghetti code because if you write spaghetti code, you can't actually call, tell from the Kali graph what possible error codes were returned by the Kalis because it's one long function. But if you keep the function small as we have on the right, you can speculate what were the return codes and what are the input uh, errors, uh, I- input arguments. Uh, another nice feature that I'm using of trace cmd is uh, tracing the events. Um, is simply the dash E flag. You can specify dash E all. Um, that's the one I use most of the time, and then I just isolate the specific events that I'm interested in. Um, remember how I previously mentioned that trace cmd doesn't capture the input arguments? actually can do it with the events, but it, uh, it's kind of like a separate tracing feature under trace cmd. As you can see here, it just returns some hex, which is basically addresses in the kernel space. But you can still uh, make some conclusions about that data as well. For example, here, uh, I was tracing IP netns add command. It basically mounts uh, a namespace. And uh, as we can see, it called system call number 165, which is actually sysenter mount. You can tell from the next event line. And eventually it returns, and actually you can see the error code here that it was zero, which means success. So this is kind of helpful to get a little extract a little bit more data from the kernel. All right, that's it. Any questions? Thanks a
0: lot. I, I learned about some things I didn't know about. I've never used trace command before.
1: Trace EMD or yeah. yeah, It's it's very really helpful. Uh, I actually have used it most of the times when it came to of kernel issues. So the NE team recently had one, and. I just saw how exactly it went wrong there. Like you have a good reference and bad reference. Then you just run a diff and you'll get eventually to the answer why something is wrong. Yeah, it's very good. So, introduced recently? Uh, well, not recently, like a year ago, I guess. So, every trace cmd to see the graph
0: would be definitely helpful. But sometimes <laughs> when you debug it, you suddenly want to see like what are the parameters. Yeah.
1: With- yeah, well, uh, in the worst case, you can always do print k, but it takes a lot of cycles to rebuild the kernel each time. So trace cmd is, I think, more efficient. But, 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 but yeah, as, as I previously pointed out, sometimes you can actually figure out that where the input to, to each function but just by looking at the call graph. call graph. Yeah, you just need to make these conclusions. You need to have the right source code next to it and then you can make conclusions, yeah. Uh, there's also the K-probes with BPF, which I haven't actually extensively used. Uh, maybe in the future, that will be the more efficient tool to actually troubleshoot issues. Basically, you can do anything from it. You can log all the arguments that you want and expand them, follow pointers. I think there's a
0: tool, F-trace, that, uh, that does tracing on that basis. Do you know whether does it doesn't use the same hooks as C D or is it a, something independent?
1: Yeah, if you S-trace, trace CMD, you can actually see that it uses f behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it basically goes under the sys kernel debug tracing, which is devtrace. I find that interface very really hard to use. I was using it for a long time. It's easy to mess up there. You, if you try to trace all the programs, uh, all the functions, sometimes I got into a state where kernel crashes. And with trace CMD, it never has happened to me. So it's, uh, I think, more intuitive to use the trace CMD. So S-Trace doesn't
0: need to be RUT, does uh, TraceCMD? a second. Uh With S-Trace, you don't have to be read With TraceCMD, trace. do you have to
1: be? Yeah, I think so. I, I think there are some arguments where uh, TraceCMD has some flags where I think you can override the user maybe. Like you can call a process and then switch to some other user. But I think it requires root, yeah, because this kernel debug, I think, is below the root. Any other questions?
0: The other thing I didn't know about was the backtrace feature on strace. I, I remember actually hacking it into strace several years ago, but I don't remember whether I upstreamed mine or not. Maybe I tried and it didn't succeed. Or who
1: knows? Uh, it's only on Fedora right now.
0: Yeah, okay, I probably didn't succeed then.
1: Yeah, it's not on Ubuntu yet. Uh, I haven't tried Ubuntu 18.04 uh, and this requires libunwind shared library to do that actually. Um, hopefully eventually Ubuntu will pick it up as well. Uh, it will be quite helpful. I think it should also work with debug symbols to get more information because currently it's kind of like the binary stack trace that you see actually. but yeah, hopefully one day it will get improved.: Thanks.
0: you thank you Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by MyFreeMickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons Attribution Unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OVS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org. Or for more information about OpenVSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.